Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Amen. If you can do a couple things at once, uh, turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 6. How many of you love Jeremiah? He, he wasn't a bullfrog, man. Come on. The weeping prophet wrote the book of Lamentations. This is a guy that loved. He was a real friend. And as we continue our series in doing life together, and that life is better together, we need to study what it means to allow people to, hit, to help us, to allow God to use people to heal us, to, to, to say help. How many, of you, how many of you ever struggle with saying help? I do. I'm going to be honest with you. Help is a hard word, especially when you want everybody to think you got it all together. Right? Can, can I just remind you everybody's broken? There's a part of you that isn't. It's your spirit. It's born again. But, but there's things in our lives that, man, we're broken and we need help for. And here's the deal. What happens is, is God ends up sending the help in the form of people. And, and, and that's the deal. That's the part I don't like. I wish God would just bless me and answer my prayers without having to deal with people. Right? I mean, I love people, but, but, but in the areas where I need the most help, I don't necessarily want a person involved. And here's why. I don't want anybody to see my mud. I don't want anybody to see my dirt. I don't want anybody to see where I'm stuck. And, and this, is what, this is something that happens with Jeremiah. He gets into a position where he needs to be lifted out. And he has to ask for help. He's, he's actually been preaching and prophesying for over 40 years to the nation of Judah. His prophecies were so accurate, say so accurate, that he was able to, along with his uh, contemporary, Hosea, he was able to name the country that would invade, Babylon, and he was actually able to name the king that would invade before he was born and before the country would exist, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, how many of you know that's accurate? He was naming how this would happen, how it would go down, and he was even saying it would be 70 years. Now, Isaiah would come along later, and Jeremiah would also say, in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper, prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you what? I hope in a future. And, and, and who was that written to? People that would be in captivity for 70 years. So please don't put that on a Christian mug unless you're willing to wait 70 years. Come on. He was accurate. But the Bible calls him a weeping prophet because as he told the truth to people, he would weep. It was hard to tell it. And then, and then I read in my Bible in the book of Proverbs that, that uh, wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Sometimes the person that God sends you doesn't show up in a prefer preferential way. Doesn't look like you. You're in pain. God sends the promise through people. And then to kick it off, he sends it to you in people that don't look like you. Don't act like you. Don't even like what you like. Boy, that's tough for Americans. Because we are preferential. We want things to show up in our own way. And none of us are prejudiced. i got to deal with that today, too. Yeah. We don't want God to show up in people that look different or act different or that are in a different way than we are. But that's what happens with Jeremiah. He's thrown in a well. 
and he's in a really down moment. How many of you know that life can send you a lot of down stuff? So, so here's the way I, I, I see life, and I, especially lately. It's almost like the good times are like an escalator. But when a bad time comes, it's like an, it's like an elevator down. You know, the good times are a slow way up. But when a bad time comes, it's almost like it's a quick trip down. Amen? And when it, when, when it comes, it's, it, man, it stinks. It's muddy. It's sticky. It's wet. It's dirty. It's dark. And we need help. We end up in a ditch. And what do we want to do? We want to dig ourselves out of a ditch. And that doesn't make any sense at all. Right? You've heard this before. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps right? God helps those that help themselves. Not in the Bible anywhere. Not in the Bible anywhere. God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who admit without him and others, they're helpless. Three amens. Boy, we're starting off, man. Boy, we're doing well. But we get this attitude that this is what pleases God. That if I am self-reliant, if I'm able to trust in my own ability, God is pleased with that. And yet his own son, Jesus Christ, needed help in carrying the cross. Think about that. And the way it showed up was in a Gentile, Simon of Cyrene. This would be from Libya. And the way it showed up was a different race, a different color, outside of what the Jews said was kosher and operational and yet jesus allowed this man to help him with the cross that saved you now if jesus allowed someone to help him what is the problem we have with help because it's coming but it's coming with people and if you don't like people you aren't going to get much help <laughs> come on we all get to that we get a little i uh, need a little little break from people but when you need help, people shows up, and they show up because God wants them to, and not the way you, not the way you necessarily like it. Before we get to the text, can I just get, can, how many of you, how many of you love a best friend? How many of you know that dogs are a man's best friend, right? How many of you know that, that not all dogs are, are cute dogs? Some are ugly dogs, right? 2019 had an ugly dog contest. What if God sent you a best friend in the form of a dog, and they look like these dogs? I want to show you. Here's Josie. Josie placed fifth. That's an ugly dog. She almost won. Show me another one. Here's Wild Thing. Look at that tongue, man. It, it looks like a baby gorilla. Showed it. Hey, give me another one. Here's Meatloaf. I don't think Meatloaf gets too much exercise. Kind of like my dog. And, and just, just a couple more. Here's the next one. Here's Rascal. Can you see Rascal there? He's got the, she's got the big, big hair and the, and what are those, the Elton John sunglasses or whatever? Yeah. And here's the winner, I think. Yeah, Scamp the Tramp. There you go. 2019 winner. Cute though, right? Adorable. But if people look like that, not so cute. You know, you know what my, you know what my last church, um, we had a uh, we had a repairman and a janitor that worked full time, and he would come in my office every week, and he spoke more wisdom, more words of knowledge 
gave me more spiritual help than anybody else in the church, and nobody had a clue. Nobody knew it. Everybody thought he was just a real quiet guy that would just fix things at the church. And this guy was literally mentoring me and pastoring the pastor. It's not the way you think it's going to show up. People are not in your lives to copy you. They're in your lives to complete you. They're going to be different than you because they have something from the Lord that you don't. That's why the best relationships are the, are the Laurel and Hardys, the, the Ralph Cramdens and the Ed Nortons, the Starskys and the Hutch, the Burt and the Ernies. Come on, the Gilligan and the Skipper. Jeremiah 38.6. So they took Jeremiah, they put him in a cistern. Now, watch the name of this, Malchiah. That's important. That tells a story. The king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard, they lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud. And Jeremiah sank down into the mud. But ebed Melech, a Cushite, an official in the royal palace, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the cistern. While the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, ebed Melech went out, of the palace and said to him, My lord the king, these men have acted wickedly, and all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, they have thrown him in the cistern, where he will starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city. You see, uh, already Babylon was invading the northern part of the city. Already, everything that he had prophesied to be true was coming true. Okay? Verse 10 Then the king commanded Ebed Melech, the Cushite, Take 30 men from here, and when you lift Jeremiah the prophet, you know, you know what's really cool? Jeremiah means the Lord lifts. We'll get to that in a minute, too. <laughs> when you lift the one that the Lord lifts, <laughs> oh, man, the Bible's cool. So when you lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies, so Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to a room under the treasury in the palace. He took some what? Old rags. God, that's not what I want on me. He took some old rags and worn out clothes. You, know, you mean somebody went, down, somebody went down to the swap shop? Somebody, somebody, went, somebody went down and got something used, and they're going to bless me with something used? You, are you that kid that ever got the toy for Christmas or for your birthday that somebody, that somebody went cheap on? Okay, just me. So got some old rags and worn out clothes from there. And let them down with ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Ebeg Melech, the Cushite, said to Jeremiah, Put these old rags and worn out clothes under your arms to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did so, and they pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of that cistern. And Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, people are coming into our lives as an answer of prayer. They are not like us, and that's the answer to the prayer. They will do things that we do not expect, that's an answer to your prayer. God, as we ask you for help, you send it in the form of people. And when they come, may we, God, not be preferential, not be prejudiced, and not be picky on how you help us, but recognize the help when it comes so that they can be blessed, so that we can be blessed, and so that together we can both bless you and give you honor for answering prayer. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on. Amen. 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 I want you to see this here. <laughs> He's in a well. 
You might, you might literally say that where he's at is a place of too little. You ever been at a place of too little? Maybe, maybe you took the job that you knew God wanted you to have. And once you got the job, you realized the job didn't offer enough health insurance. So, so it was just enough but too little. It was just enough but too little. Ever been in a situation where maybe you went and you picked out a home and you found that you could afford the mortgage but not the insurance for the home? And that later you couldn't afford the payments? You're in a land of so much, but you're in a moment or in a ditch of too little. How about this? How about you're healthy enough to leave the hospital, but you don't have enough strength to get out of the bed? This is where Jeremiah is. Flavius Josephus, the historian, puts it this way. He adds this. He says he's up to his necks, his neck and close to suffocation in a place of too little. The spiritual irony is this. Wells are a place of life. And yet there wasn't enough in the well to give him life. All he had was mud. He should have been able to find water there. But he probably would have died of dehydration in a place where people would naturally draw water. Before you think that church is a well, and just by coming, just by coming will give you life, let me remind you, just because you're here doesn't mean that you aren't thirsty. Just because you're sitting in a pew doesn't mean that you're not sinking. Just because you see a pretty little smile on somebody's face as they come through those doors, and they wonder if there's coffee or not. Doesn't mean that person isn't lonely. Doesn't mean that person in their entire week hasn't been in a ditch. Hasn't been in a low place. And isn't dying of thirst and sinking in a dark place. You might be surrounded by people. And yet at the same time, ironically, be all alone. Jesus was. Think of him on the cross. Here's this moment where he, he says, I thirst. He is thirsty. He's offered something that he doesn't, he doesn't receive because it would kill the pain. And yet in the moment, he is surrounded by people and yet says to his God, why have you forsaken me? I'm all alone. And yet surrounded by so many. Just because you're in a well doesn't mean you're not in a dark place, not thirsty, and not sinking. You might be even this morning up to your neck in life. And as you cry out to God, you may not realize it, but you might be putting conditions on how the answer comes. God, help me. That's a great prayer, by the way. How many of you know that you don't have to pray in the King James? Hello. You know, it's a great prayer to just say, God, help. Just help, God. Help in the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. And then as the help comes and it shows up, it doesn't look like anything you expected. Did you know that every miracle in the New Testament and Old, God sent through people? Every single miracle. I challenge you to find one where someone didn't cry out for a healing, didn't cry out for a blessing, didn't cry out for a touch, and God didn't send it in the form of people. Even the salvation that he would provide for man, he would send through his son, who through a hypostatic union in theology is both 100% God, but also 100% a person, man. This is what messed the Pharisees up. 
because we want help from God, but we don't want a person. Are you awake this morning? Can you help us? But not like him. We don't like the package. You ever get a package in the mail? Something you bought, maybe on Amazon. It's almost like your birthday every day with Amazon. But you buy it, and the way it shows up, I mean, who wrapped this? What it, I've gotten stuff from Amazon before, you know, and I bought stuff even like on eBay, and it's like, this is cool, but I didn't need, like, somebody put their old socks in here. What does it take to send a package that'll look nice when it gets there? We want what's inside, but we don't always like the people package that it comes in. I deal with people all the time, marriage counseling, substance abuse, people that want to avoid accountability, people that won't respond to altar calls. Do you know why? Do you know why people don't show up for marriage counseling? Do you know why people don't respond to altar calls in our culture? Do you know why people don't show up for some type of accountability? I'll tell you why. Because they're in a dark place, they're in a well, it's deep, it's damp, it's muddy, they're sinking, and they just don't want you to know about it. And I'm not saying you can trust everybody. But when God sends 30 people, and you're going to see in a moment that it really took just three. The other 30 protect Jeremiah later, but it's just three that pull him out. How many of you know? How many of you know there's this young man lame from birth, and yet he's got four friends? Come on. And it took the faith of those four friends to cut through that roof, lower him down, get him to Jesus, and get him help. It shows up in people. And this is what we all deal with. Hey, man, I want help. Can you do it, though, privately? Pastor, can you do a baptism in my pool? Oh, you laugh, but, and I'm with you. That's not how it works. <laughs> Hello. We don't baptize you privately. When you're baptized, you're baptized publicly as an expression of your faith that you're part of the body of Christ. We want everything to be so private. And let me tell you the detriment of that. The detriment is simply this. If you don't know I have a problem, then you don't know that someone else is struggling too. You gotta hear me. You don't realize the collateral damage of what you're doing when you don't care enough to share. If you don't share what you're going through, everybody else thinks they're the only one too. And they don't realize that they can ever get out of it because they think they're the only one. And shame will keep you in a low, dark place. A place that ought to give you life. A place where you ought to be able to draw water from. And yet at the same time, you sink. What's wrong with church is everybody comes, but nobody's got anything wrong. And we all talk to each other like we just got saved. Fresh through salvation. Like we've never broke a, a commandment or messed up or had a 
bad week or, yeah. There are days you leave the cap off the toothpaste and it affects your marriage. <laughs> Tell yourself the truth. Some of you don't put the seat down on the potty and it affects your life. And the garbage wasn't taken out on time and you said something you shouldn't have to your spouse. Well, God bless you, you're not alone. You're in a room full of people who lose it over stupider stuff than that. But no one, oh, come on, are you serious right now? you guys it's so much fun oh boy <laughs> so <laughs> let me just remind you god doesn't save anyone privately you, there are no private there are no private salvations I, I and i want to tell you the moment you get saved you ought to be giving your testimony you ought to be telling people what you've been saved from and out of and telling the world that i was broken too and i'm a mess too but hey, I'm a saint through Christ, and you can be too. And let people know that you're, there, is, there, are no, uh, there are no people that aren't in a well. And everybody needs a good dog to come along like Lassie and tell the world you're in a well. Come on. If you're old enough to know what I'm talking about, say amen. amen. All right. What gets us there? Why does this continue? God's working on your pride. He's working on your prejudice, and he's working, off, he's working on your picky preferences. And so he keeps sending people to you that rub the cat fur the wrong direction because he wants to help you and save you, not just from what you're going through. He wants to help and save you from you, from you, and from me. Because if we're not careful, we start thinking we're the only ones that are living outside of a well and that we got it all together and we don't aside from christ we don't we're helpless without him let's look at pride it took 30 men that was sent but only three only three pulled him out are there three people in your i'm not asking for 30 there's more than 30 in this room they're all ready to fight for you and love on you but when it all boils down to it let's be practical There'll be three. There'll be one, two, or three. Who are your three? Now, don't, don't, don't play around with that. That's, that's for nobody else but you. Who are your three? Are you living your life as part of the body of Christ until it has to do with your weakness? And then it's like, I, I don't want to talk about that. I got it all together. That's private. You need three. You need one or two. You need to... You need to open your life up to someone. There are no lone rangers in the body of Christ. No, nobody's an island. If you're like me, I've got two or three pastors that are still in my life that can ask me the hard questions. And I've got deacons and I've got personal friends and I've got people even in this church. You know, when I go to men's meetings, I want to hear what I'm going through too. Because I'm breathing, I have the propensity 
to need people and help. Don't be prideful. Another one is prejudice. I want you to see this. God sends the answer, and he sends it in the form of of a Cushite. I want you you to get this. Uh, This is is uh, an African man. This is more than that, though, because that's what we all want to camp on. The real area to camp on here is the fact that he works in, watch this, he works in the temple and in the royal palace. So he's probably a eunuch. And another thing that we probably don't really want to talk about in the way help comes is he's a Gentile. So I want you to hear this with Jewish ears. You need help. You're in a well. You come from a family that's Jewish. You have a Jewish mission. You have a purely Jewish message. And God sends the help in the form of an African man who's a eunuch. He's not a man's man. He's missing some parts now. He ain't showing up the way you like it. He's not driving Ford trucks with gun racks. He don't fish like you, don't hunt like you, and don't slay bears. Okay? But he's here to help. I wonder if, I can, I wonder if, I, if you can bear me even asking you right now. What if God showed up with help in a way where somebody helped you but did not celebrate your political party. I feel like Elmer Fudd. It's so very, very quiet. (laughs) This is what it would be like. They're not going to agree with you or come from your background or have your perspective, and yet God still sent them. And what are you going to do, be picky? You're going to be prejudiced? You're going to be preferential? Or are you going to go, thank God you're here? Now, some of you, I love you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Some of you would say, lower the ropes down as soon as we can agree on who should be the next president. I'm not saying those things aren't important. But have you ever thought about the fact that maybe someone's there to help you so that later you can help them, and you'll never get a chance to help them with what they're dealing with until you humble yourself enough and realize that God has sent them first to help you. I know they don't have your revelation yet. I know they haven't been to the holy mountain of God. We struggle with this in movements in Christianity. What, you're a Baptist? You're a Baptist. Well, I don't know if we can even have a talk. Can we even finish our fried chicken and and, and potatoes here? Are we going to make it here? You'll never get it. You'll never get the honor of helping them back if you don't let them help you first. This happens a lot. This happens a lot. Can I tell you how many times I've been broke down on the side of the road? Can I tell you how many times that I was driving too fast and I get pulled over by an officer and then I realize that at my last church it happened twice. Then I realize that the officer that pulled me over goes to my church (laughs) and still gives me a ticket. 
and how pride really quickly wants to set in and says, hey, whoa, wait a minute. We're, we're, we're on the same team. You know, we're good old boys. Here you go, pastor, slow down. <laughs> I love you. Okay. And these are tests. There are ways to see from heaven if you'll honor God and be humble before him. They're tests. Just pass it, man. Just bite your tongue. Let God help you in the way that he does. You'll develop a relationship. You'll earn the right to speak into their life. And you might be able to help them with some of their issues too. Oh, don't shout me down. Okay, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> this Ebed Melech, his name is, it's interesting. It tells us a story. Watch this, Melech of Yah. Look at this. This is, this is the, this place where he's in the well. This is, this, this is the place of the king. Yah means king. So where Jeremiah is sinking is actually the place of the king. Sometimes where you're sinking is exactly where God wants you. Doesn't mean he's going to leave you there. Don't, 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 don't let the devil come in and tell you that. This too shall pass. Not going to leave you there. He's testing you though. And then this Ebed Melech, it means this. It means servant of the king. So you're sinking in the place of the king, and God sends you a servant of the king, and then your name happens to be Jeremiah. God lifts. There's a story here. And it's how God frustrates us sometimes. Right? You know, he gives you help and then frustrates you just a little bit in the way he sends it. But it doesn't mean he's not God, and it doesn't mean the place you're in isn't of God, and it doesn't mean that what you've been called and what you've been called, called out of uh, it doesn't mean anything other than God lifts. His promises are sure. They're yes and amen. But how he does it, and in the place he does it, completely unexpected. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? Can any good thing come from Finley? Oh, yeah. The whole entire movement called the Assemblies of God was born here. Right? God just wants to frustrate your idea of how he can do it. That's what he does. Let me close with this scripture. Because this will, this will help us with our, our life groups. Galatians 6.2. Paul is writing to the church. And this is in the imperative voice. That means it's a command. All right? It says, bear one another's burdens. Say burdens. burdens. You, have, you have a responsibility to people in this room if they are burdened. And as an American, our culture says, that's not my problem. But as a Christian in the kingdom, God says, if it's crushing them, it is. It is. Now watch this. And so fulfill the law of Christ. How is the law of Christ fulfilled? When you bear someone else's burden. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, oh, there's pride. He deceives himself. 
But let each one test his own work and then reason. Then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear what? His own load. Here's what Paul is saying here. He's drawing a distinction. It's balanced. It's a both and. Before you leave here today and think you're responsible for every little tiny thing everybody's going through, watch out. You see, Jeremiah, when he was brought out of that well, still had to go back to preaching what God put on his heart. The 30 men and the three didn't help him do that. That was his, that was his load. Now, there's two Greek words here. You'll see it in your life groups. The first one is simply this. Watch this. Baros. It's where we get the word barometer. What, it's, it's the idea that there is a setting. There's amount of pressure. How does barometric pressure work? We know that when the barometer changes, it measures the amount of weight or pressure in the air for rain. The Bible says that when somebody is in baros, when there's too much pressure in their life, that it's crushing them, the body of Christ should answer. But the other word is different. It's not the same word. It's not baros. It's portion where we get the word portion it means your daily load it means what god has called you to trust him alone for it means what you're called to do this part is your part to be responsible for and god's in other words i'm not supposed to come along for that part i'm here to help you out of the well then you get back to preaching come on you you, you need to know you need to be able to have discernment for the difference See, one crushes somebody, the body of Christ should respond. The other one is their daily load. Hey, listen, I know you don't like to go to work on Monday. That's not my problem. But if you're sick and you're ill and you can't make it to church on Sunday, that is. You have a part in this that you're responsible for, but so does everybody else. And if somebody's stuck in a well and dying spiritually, it is our responsibility to help them. So we don't write people off if they're being crushed. But the point, isn't, the point isn't just to get people out of wells. The point is to get people up on their feet, believing God and walking in faith and serving him again and trusting him with their daily load. You have a portion, I have a portion. And if I remove that, it's like taking the caterpillar uh, out of the cocoon. It doesn't, come, doesn't become a butterfly. Come on. Now, I'm not going to go into snowflakes, but you follow me? You know, that whole process that people are in, they got to carry a little. But when it becomes too much, the, 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 the answer should come from the house of God. Amen. Would you stand with me in prayer? You, you and I can apply this even this week. We are in a culture right now that is being crushed. We, we are in a culture right now that is being crushed by fear. And, and you and I were born in Christ for such a time as this. God knew you would be alive and filled with his spirit for right now. We are here to help with the weight. You, you are missionaries. You, you need to go back to the office, back to the community, back to the grocery stores, even if there's no toilet paper. And talk about the hope that you have in your God. Lift the weight. It's crushing some people. It shouldn't be crushing you. 
If it is, we're here for you. We love you. But, but we want to respond with hope and love. We want to respond in ways as we're on mission. You're on a mission this week. Can we each pray to be Jeremiah's to say, God listens.